Welcome to Sunday Commentary, a weekly program designed to break open the Sunday Scripture readings. Join us as we listen to God's Word and seek to grow in our love and understanding for the good news in our lives. And now, Sunday Commentary with Kevin Doran and Carla Wehrman. The Liturgical Scripture Readings for the 33rd Sunday in Ordinary Time. A reading from the book of the prophet Daniel. In those days, I, Daniel, heard this word of the Lord. At that time, there shall arise Michael, the great prince, guardian of your people. It shall be a time unsurpassed in distress, since nations began until that time. At that time, your people shall escape everyone who is found written in the book. Many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake. Some shall live forever. Others shall be in everlasting horror and disgrace. But the wise shall shine brightly like the splendor of the firmament, and those who lead the many to justice shall be like the stars forever. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Responsorial Psalm. You are my inheritance, O Lord. You are my inheritance, O Lord. O Lord, my allotted portion and my cup, you it is who hold fast my lot. I set the Lord ever before me. With him at my right hand, I shall not be disturbed. You are my inheritance, O Lord. Therefore, my heart is glad and my soul rejoices. My body, too, abides in confidence. Because you will not abandon my soul to the netherworld, nor will you suffer your faithful one to undergo corruption. You are my inheritance, O Lord. You will show me the path to life, fullness of joys in your presence, the delights at your right hand forever. You are my inheritance, O Lord. A reading from the letter to the Hebrews. Brothers and sisters, every priest stands daily at his ministry, offering frequently those same sacrifices that can never take away sins. But this one offered one sacrifice for sins, and took his seat forever at the right hand of God. Now he waits until his enemies are made his footstool. For by one offering he has made perfect forever those who are being consecrated. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer offering for sin. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said to his disciples, In those days, after the tribulation, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will be falling from the sky, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory, and then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the end of the earth to the end of the sky. Learn a lesson from the fig tree. When its branch becomes tender and sprouts leaves, you know that summer is near. In the same way, when you see these things happening, you know that he is near at the gates. Amen, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But of that day or hour, no one knows, neither the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. 
Carla, on this 33rd Sunday in Ordinary Time, the middle of November, we are actually in the last Sunday of Ordinary or Ordinal Counted Time. Uh, Then next Sunday is a celebration of our Lord Jesus Christ, King of the Universe, which is the end of the liturgical year. (laughs) So end of the liturgical year is coming very quickly. But we've got some amazing readings today, and I really see a theme of how God is the master of history. I mean, God is continually and actively involved with all creation. We can see kingdoms or countries or governments, they may all rise and fall, but God's kingdom is invincible and unending. Mm -hmm. And we start with that in the book of Daniel with some very uh, vivid poetry, don't we? Oh, yeah, 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 we do. The prophet Daniel shares a vision in which St. Michael rises up as a valiant defender of God's people. Since the time of the fall of Adam, human beings have lived in a world in which the battle between good and evil is an ongoing struggle. And Daniel tells us that some will live forever and others will be an everlasting horror and disgrace. And of course, we know that to live forever means our eternal life in heaven. Now, in her diary, Sister Faustina Kowalska shares her vision of hell. She tells us how the road to hell was covered with sand and flowers, full of joy, music, and all sorts of pleasures, and how people walked along that road, dancing and enjoying themselves until, without warning, they reached the end, the abyss of hell and fell blindly into it. She also wrote that the number of those people going down into the abyss was so great that they were impossible to count. Sister Faustina also wrote that the peculiar circumstance shared by most all of those in hell was that during their earthly lives, they did not believe in hell. And that, my friends, is something that astounds me. We live in a world in which sin has become a foreign concept or an old-fashioned notion made up by staunchy old men who don't want anybody to have fun and as a way to control women. And just as they reject the notion of sin, those same people also reject the reality of hell. And that last part isn't just for the pagans in our world. Sadly, we have skazillions of misguided Christians who seriously believe that baptism is a golden ticket to heaven, regardless of the fact that they have fallen into mortal sin with no intention to repent. Of this, my friends, we can be completely confident that there is a heaven and there is a hell and there is a just and merciful God who loves each one of us so much that he wants us to spend eternity with him. He also loves us so much that he will not interfere with our free will to choose. And if we chose the road as described by Sister Kowalska in her vision, the road strewn with pleasure and self-indulgence, then so be it. We will join those poor lost souls in eternal damnation. Yeah, she has some amazing visions as part of her diaries. And thank you for sharing that because that is... uh, creates such a stark image. And and I don't even know how big a skazillion is. I made <laughs> that's a, that up. That's a big, that's a I big know. number. <laughs> I, I couldn't think of another number, so I just made that up. <laughs> it is. But you really point, I think, also to the fact that he says here, Michael, the great prince, guardian of your people. This is indeed a spiritual warfare. And both destinations, as you rightly point out, are permanent. There is one, some that will be damned and will end up in everlasting horror and disgrace, as Daniel said. But those who choose 
the righteous path. And by the way, it's a very joyous path, isn't it? For those who embrace it. Um, those will shine brightly in the splendor of the firmament and be like stars forever. What a wonderful way to to celebrate your immortality. And because remember, when you think about death, it's it's that separation from body and soul. It's not the ceasing of existence. And so we need to decide which direction or which path we're taking. Indeed. Amen to that. Wow. Well, let's go ahead and go to the second reading. Uh, this is, uh, again, a follow-on from the letter to the Hebrews. And it talks about here, every priest stands daily at his ministries, offering frequently those same sacrifices that can never take away sins. And I, I really, the thing I kind of caught on with here is, of course, a follow-on from last week with the, the Holy of Holies and how the priest goes in once a year, but he stands, he's in this posture of a servant. But the one who offered one sacrifice for sins, Christ our Lord and Savior, took his seat forever. We have that posture of authority there. And so we kind of see how this Old Testament sacrifice, which is from the high priest, the Jewish high priest, we see how that's compared to Christ's sacrifice that we see today in uh, once and for all, obviously in scripture, but then how that is a memorial of that in our masses today. And there's um, Catechism 312 and then also 1367 compares the Old Testament sacrifices compared to Christ's sacrifice. And really, as a summary, I would say all of those Old, Old Testament sacrifices do not have the same effect as Christ's single sacrifice. And we remember that that sacrifice of Christ and the sacrifice of the Eucharist are one single sacrifice. The victim's one and the same. The same now offers through the ministry of the priest, who then offered himself on the cross. So the only the manner of offering is different exactly and in the old testament the priests of the they those suffering those sacrifices those offerings do not take away sin yes yes that's right that's right and yet christ one sacrifice that we remember does remits all of sin Amen. Right? that's right yeah. and and that's it's interesting you mentioned that when we when we talk about that and how we look at i'll call it the greatest moral evil ever committed the rejection and murder of god's only son Okay, and that's again when you were talking about the first reading, those who reject Christ, those who reject uh, hell, who Christ's teachings, they're on that path, right? Thankfully, that has also brought the greatest of goods, the glorification of Christ in our lives and our redemption. So it's that same Christ who offered himself once in a bloody manner on the altar of the cross is contained and offered in an unbloody manner in our Eucharist today. And how thankful we are to have that in our church. Amen, yeah. yeah. Well, let's finish up with some comments about our gospel today. This is from the gospel according to Mark. Well, yeah. And in this reading, Jesus makes some stunning predictions. He said, this generation will not pass away until all these things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Now, you know, Kevin, I never really fully understood those words until recently. I started reading a piece that questioned whether or not Jesus was wrong in his prediction of the end of the world. And then I found a few other articles with differing opinions, and they didn't make sense either. So finally, I pulled out the Ignatius Study Bible, and I know I should have probably done that in the first place. <laughs> Carly, you should have done that those, in the first place. <laughs> those pieces I were reading, they were just so Intriguing. <laughs> well, anyway, thankfully, Dr. Hahn wrote a wonderful explanation of what this all means. He explains that in the Jewish mindset of that time, they viewed the temple as a miniature replica of the universe and God's relationship with creation. So our Lord's prediction of destruction of the world 
in the context of symbolism as understood by the Jews at that time, it really did occur within the lifetime of that generation when the temple was destroyed in 70 AD. That was about 35 years after Jesus's death, resurrection and ascension into heaven. And then Dr. Hahn goes on to explain that Jesus's primary mission was to establish the new covenant and that the church is God's new temple built with living stones, which are the men and women who together form the mystical body of Christ. And so it is that Jesus's words will not pass away in that the spiritual truth of his words is made manifest through the church and point to his second coming at the end of the world as we know it. So our call again is to be vigilant because God is the master of history. He is coming again and he will be victorious over sin. Yes, indeed. Amen. Amen. You've been listening to Sunday Commentary with Kevin Doran and Carla Wehrman, produced at the studios of Modern Day Radio. For more information about this show, go to moderndayradio.com. That's M-A-T-E-R-D-E-I radio.com. <laughs>